0: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're
1: still here. Looking, 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 looking for revenge. All summer sixteen. 16, playing dirty, not clean Out front for a season, like a
2: damn football team. Welcome to Volume 2 of the Barn Burner Podcast Specifically the Backdoor Cut Edition Thanks for coming back, we, uh, we appreciate your listeners And we're excited, we got a, a huge year ahead This is 2018, this is the year of the barn, we're calling it And we appreciate all of y'all reading in 2017 This is going to be a huge year for us um, We have a, a lot of things coming your way We have some merchandise coming We have uh, some new writers, some new topics, a lot of exciting things going on. For those that don't know, 2018 already kicked off to a huge start. We had a Fire Tubby Smith petition going. Um, The University of Memphis basketball coach, we started a petition. It's up to 500 signatures right now. The article's been viewed like 1,000 times. We got a lot of steam. We got to get that guy out of of there uh, or else the University of Memphis basketball team might cease to exist. It might not be funded anymore. Who knows? Uh, shout out to Jeff Calkins and Jeffrey Wright for having me on the 92-9 the show to discuss that. I was excited to join, and I appreciate y'all giving the opportunity to go in there and talk about that. All right. So we're here to you with y'all today. This is this is the chief. I'm here with Slim and Bro. We are the backdoor cut crew, and we are here today to discuss something we found interesting. We found the idea of the NBA revenge game interesting, and that is where a player that played for a previous team gets back and plays against that team again. And then this idea of the the pettiness involved and the angriness and coming back and playing against your former team, all these emotions come crashing back and you're now facing your old friends on on the battlefield. Um, And it's an interesting game. It's an interesting game where a player can get out there and and show their stuff again versus the team that may have cut them or traded them. So we each, uh, me, Slim and bro made our own picks uh, for the best VA revenge game this season. Um, now, it's important that we give you um, some criteria. We decided not to include rookies um, for obvious reasons. You know, we, we didn't, they didn't have the chance to have made the transition from one team to the other. Um, and then we also factored in heavily the idea of revenge, the idea there's personal grudge going on between one player to his former team, and that that sort of drama and the backstory involved was very important to, um, to the calls that we made and the selections we made. So without further ado, we'll shoot right into it. We got Slim up first with his pick. Go ahead, Slim. What's up, Chief, man? I appreciate that.
1: That was a, that was a really nice intro from our from our in-house radio professional. Um, you, you did a great job on 92.9 with Jeff and Jeffrey earlier this week. You know, shout out to you. Like you said, 2018. It's the year of the barn. We're here, baby. And we're just having fun. That's all we want to do. We're not trying to cause any trouble or anything like that. We're just going to have fun and tell you our, our opinion. So when I was thinking about this player, I was going to choose for my revenge edition, uh, you know, my topic. We had some good options. Professor actually did all the work and sent it to us. He, he showed us what every player did against their former teams. And it was some players who had a lot of points and a lot of rebounds, big games against their teams. But I was looking for something a little more cutthroat. I wanted some savagery. So I'm going to take you back to the offseason in 2016-17. Troy Daniel was acquired by the Grizzlies. It was free agency, but they worked out a sign-and-trade deal with Charlotte. Um, And Troy was basically supposed to be this shooter that the Grizzlies have never had they never had anybody who could shoot on the Grizzlies, and hell, they still don't. But um, it didn't, didn't really start out that way for Troy. He missed his first 11 threes um, and got in his head, and then he really couldn't hit shit for, like, the first month and a half. But injuries, as they always do in the NBA, um, played a part into Troy Daniels getting getting some playing time. He came out. He had a big game. He had a big game against the Lakers in December. I think it was December 3rd, actually, last year. He had 31 points against the Lakers. He had a big clutch three when Tony Allen got an offensive rebound and threw it to him. And uh, then he went on to have the best season of his career. He averaged 8.2 points, um, just over 17 minutes, and shot 39% from deep, which is, I mean, he didn't hit shit at the beginning of the season. You guys remember it. He didn't, He couldn't throw it in the ocean. Everything was just rattling in and out early on in the season. So then we get to the offseason. The Grizzlies draft Dylan Brooks, who plays a very similar position to Troy. They go out and sign Ben McLemore, um, who is supposed to be basically you know, the starting shooting guard. We look at his numbers. He's averaging six points in the same amount of minutes that Troy had last year. Um, he's been injured. He's done more harm than good to the team when he's played. So, you know, it looks like the Grizzlies made a good de- decision there, as always, choosing Macklemore. Um, Then they also brought in Tyreek Evans, Wayne Selden, Mario Chalmers, and even Rade Zagorak. They uh, brought in and they actually kept him because uh, they thought he was better than Troy Daniels. They, the team got rid of Troy Daniels in September. and I mean, they kept Rade, they kept all these guys in, instead of Troy. Traded him to Phoenix, traded him and a second-round pick for a future protected second-round pick, so a pick that's probably not going to convey. They just gave him away. Season started out this year in Phoenix for Troy, a lot like last year. He was in a limited role, not really cracking the rotation on a consistent basis. Then a young superstar Chiefs boy Devin Booker went down, and it was Troy's time to shine. So in one of the first games, when he saw extended minutes, he had a career-high 32 against Toronto. Uh, then they went on, they won two of the next three games on a road trip. Then came his first matchup with the Grizzlies. Uh, Grizzlies started out, they were up like 12, I think, and then Troy came in off the bench, hit like two, three in a pull-up jumper to put the Suns uh, on a nice little run, get them back in the game. But then, fourth quarter, 20 seconds to go. The Grizzlies are up one. T.J. Warren is the leading scorer of the game. He's got 27 points. The Grizzlies actually do a good job containing him. He kicks to Drogon Bender at the top of the key, misses a three. Greg Monroe jumps over Marcus, Gasol, taps the rebound, and he goes and gets it while he's running out of bounds. Jumps in the air, twists his body, and throws a crazy-ass pass right in front of the Grizzlies bench to who? None other than Troy Daniels, baby. And Troy said at that moment, it had to go up, talking about the shot. And he said, we live for moments like this. And you know what he did? He drained the shot to put the Suns up one or up two, and then they went on to win. The Grizzlies couldn't score in the final seconds. He hit the shot right in front of his former teammates, right in front of these scrubs that they signed to replace him, Um, you know, right in front of the franchise. And it's not like Troy Daniels is on a good team. He's on the Suns who fucking suck too. (laughs) So it's just that is – and what Troy said after the game, he said, it feels great. I'd rather it be on them than anyone else. And to me, that's the best dish of revenge you can serve, just nailing it right in your former team's face, uh, ending the game, you know. That's who I'm going with. I think Troy Daniels, I think that moment is uh, one of the best moments of the NBA season
2: that no one has talked about. Yeah, there's an old wise man once said, revenge is a dish, best served cold. And Troy Daniels is cold from three, man. He always has been. Like, I have a couple questions uh, for you, Slim. The first of which is, Who would you cut on the current Grizzlies roster in order to have Troy Daniels on our team right now? Go ahead.
1: Who wouldn't you cut? That might
2: be an easier (laughs) or a
1: harder question. Uh, I I think I would cut Mario Chalmers, Uh, Ben McLemore. I would cut. Um, I'm trying to think, I haven't even been watching that much, but those two for sure. yeah, I mean, just those two, I think, right now. But he's better than Ben McLemore,
2: and he was cheaper. I agree with that. I think that's a good point. And here's the Ben McLemore thing. So Chris Wallace, our beloved GM, has this idea of the, the second draft. And for those that don't know what that means, because it shouldn't be a term, and it shouldn't even be a thing, but for some reason he's made it a thing. And that is where a player comes into the NBA, pr- pretty highly touted, kind of flames out, doesn't necessarily perform to the degree that everyone thought that he would. And then the team that originally drafted him is like, well, fuck this guy. He's not going to ever do anything. So they either cut him or trade him for pennies on the dollar. Well, Chris Wallace thinks that if we swoop in and sign that guy, potentially when he gets to the Grizzlies, that's his time to shine. That's when he's suddenly going to do all the things that he hasn't done thus far. But if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck slim, then it's, it's a duck man. And if Ben McAmore sucks ass in year one, year two surprise sucks ass again. Year three sucks again. Doesn't even shoot well. That's like his thing. What leads Chris Wallace to believe that in year four, he's suddenly going to develop and become a good player? That, to me, defies all reason and is the reason, the, the large part of the reason why we're in the position we are right now. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. What What do you make of the second draft, Slim and Bro? I mean, I, I don't
1: understand it. I'm like you. If a, if a guy is trash, he's trash. Very few times do you see someone just come from being – trash as hell to being a good NBA player. I mean, I don't get it. You know, I, I don't know what he's thinking sometimes. And the thing is, he sells it. He's a talker. He sells it to the fan base. You know, not so much anymore. He used to be on Vernon's show on ninety two nine every week, you know, out there. But now, I, I guess when you, you know, can't win any games, you, you can't be out there anymore. But I'm not sure he's the one making decisions, um, I think he has a lot of input and he probably has the biggest say, but I can't put it all on him. I'm not sure who else in that front office has the power um, and, you know, the the official authority. But, I mean, these moves are are, are just – you signed Ben McLemore and you thought he was going to be a savior for the team. Like, come on, man. He certainly lucked out with Tyreek, at least. Hopefully that gives us a trade piece for the
0: towards the end of the season or right before the trade deadline to help us. Does that count as second draft Cause, or does injury negate the whole concept of the second draft?
2: So I think that, I mean, with a guy like Tyreek, for instance, he is a guy that was drafted in the lottery and then performed to his lottery expectations. He won rookie of the year. He um, performed really well. And yeah, I mean, I don't think injury necessarily negates it, but I think he had a period of time where he was good and lived up to sort of his draft pick and then got hurt a time, but we all knew he could be the Tyreek he is right now because he was that when he was first drafted. But, I mean, if you literally never show a flash of being anything other than shitty, then why can you ever – expect? it just doesn't make any sense to me. And you're right, um, Slim, he does – Chris Wallace comes up with these terms and he coins these terms that are trendy, like the second draft. That's a good term. Like, that's a good – it sounds good. It tastes okay going down, but when you actually look at what that means, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- those, those thoughts kind of came to my mind when, when you were going through your, uh, your pick there, Slim, uh, yeah. for Daniels. And, it was, it and if good. we, no.
1: if we even want to look at Tyreek, he, they kind of fucked that up too. Cause they only got him for one year. I mean, that that's a rental, you know, and you don't have his bird rights. You got, you got, I mean, you do, you acquired a good trade piece in
2: free agency. So if that was your goal, then good job. Yeah, I agree. I wonder why. I wonder what happened. I wonder why that was only for a year if he his agent negotiated that or but she had no options. I mean, no one was gonna sign him because he was hurt all the time. So I mean uh, so, someone was gonna sign him. I mean, we paid him, you know, nothing
1: basically. Someone someone would have got him. Um Damn, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh we were just talking about Tyreek. I don't know what I was about to say. I had a good comeback for whatever you just asked me, but
2: I can't remember what it was. Yeah. You'll be the comeback King later in the backdoor cut. Uh, I suspect that'll, that'll jump in your mind and you jump right in and let us know. Um, but right now I think uh, unless anyone else has a, a uh, comment to make, we're going to move over into to bro's selection. Go ahead, bro. All right. All right. Let's do it. All right. So I, um,
0: went along, I got the same team as slim for my pick and, uh, Phoenix Suns, I don't think that uh, many people thought there was a whole lot of drama going on there, you know, since uh, the Barkley days even. It's kind of a a boring place as far as winning basketball is concerned, at least. But uh, I want to highlight a specific player. Um, I got Eric Bledsoe on this. So have you ever played for a team that has sucked and just doesn't seem to be doing anything to not suck? That's kind of the situation that Eric Bledsoe woke up at the beginning of the season this year and found himself in. The Suns have not been in the playoffs since 2009-2010 season, and that was even before Bledsoe was traded from the Clippers and joined their team. And after his first season in Phoenix, Bledsoe signed a pretty pretty solid deal for him, a 5-year, 70 million dollar deal. And I guess he was hoping that they would, you know, fill the roster with some decent talent to help in this kind of miserable slump and basketball purgatory that most teams hope to avoid. Uh, the longer you can avoid, you know, being in the mid range of the NBA, the better off you are. You kind of got to pick one side or the other. You're either going for championships or you're going to build. And uh, this season, Bledsoe kind of decided to take the matters into his own hands. And by doing the very mature thing that many people do these days. And he was, so he tweeted about how upset he was with his team and his teammates. You know, nothing like a grown man just pouting to millions of people and airing his grievances over the internet. And uh, he, didn't really, he didn't really mince his words. On October 22nd, he tweeted out simply, I don't want to be here. Well, after that, you know, he didn't, uh, didn't see much play in time. And it only took a few weeks before the Suns, managed to acquiesce to his request, and they sent him packing to Milwaukee. And what they got in return was Greg Monroe and a couple of 2018 projected draft picks, which the way I look at it, it's not really terrible for either team. The Bucks got themselves another score to play, play aside aside uh, Giannis and Bledsoe. Bledsoe's average 17 points a game. Uh, His last four seasons in Phoenix, which is pretty solid for what he's making. It's about pretty comparable for the league. And this kind of helps the Suns also to begin to staff their team for the future around some new and upcoming uh, talent, including, uh, once again, Devin Booker. He always comes up, I feel like, every time. He is an exciting player for sure. And Monroe's contract's expiring, so if they don't want to keep him after this year, they really don't have to worry about it. They can focus on bringing in, you know, a star free agent, maybe. I don't know if that's possible, or they can work the kind of work the drafts and try to get some young talent. Cause in 2018 draft, they've got their own first round pick plus the Miami protected top eight pick and then another Milwaukee pick that's protected through, uh, through this draft. So they could get up to three first round draft picks in 2018. So really the Suns they got rid of a disgruntled employee and can kind of move on to officially tanking and sucking for the rest of the year to try to get one of these superstar uh, blue chip lottery guys that are coming in.
2: So you kind of, what was that? Oh yeah. I was just going to say, sorry to interrupt. Uh, I was going to jump in and, and you mentioned they got rid of their bad employee. So like the Eric, Bledsoe thing that, Number one, I think it's hilarious that he tweeted that he doesn't want to be at work because we all do that on a daily basis. But then, but then his employer saw it, and that's when you're, you know, that's when you're kind of fucked. But what is when the son saw it and they were like, "Yo, dude, you can't just do that. You can't, you can't tweet. I don't want to be here or whatever. You, you can't just go online and air your grievances about your employment." I think Eric Bledsoe told him I had to fact check me on this, but I'm almost positive that he said he was at the barber shop or something. He said he was like somewhere. And he didn't want to be like, you know, like grocery shopping some, like maybe some errand or something. And then he told the son's management, like, dude, I was there. I wasn't talking about the organization. I was talking about like grocery shopping or folding my laundry or whatever. And like, that was like the idea of him looking the GM of the sons in the face and saying like, no, dude, like I was running errands. And that wasn't about y'all is like, I would have loved to be on that meeting. because That would have been hilarious to see him look at this guy in the eye and say that to his face, but. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it was he came like Eric Bledsoe came up with some sort of excuse about that. Um, and I thought that was hilarious.
0: Uh, even if he was getting his haircut, uh, th- that's not how everyone took it, nor did they want to take it that way. So <laughs> <laughs> ran with it, and the rest is history. Speaking of this history, uh, we fast forward to November 22nd. So that's the first time that the teams, uh, the Bucks and the Suns, met up after this trade, which is very shortly thereafter, a couple weeks. And Bledsoe ends up dropping 30 points. He gets six rebounds, seven assists, and two steals. And the Bucks end up winning the game in overtime, 113-107. So Monroe actually had some pretty good numbers that night also. He, went, he had 22 points and 15 rebounds, so a pretty solid effort on his part. But for me, the revenge game of the year goes to Eric Bledsoe. That takes the cake for me.
1: What was his line again? I don't want to be here. <laughs> no, is is stat line. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thirty points, six rebounds, seven
1: assists. Uh, yeah, that's that's a really good I, game.
0: I, I found that when researching this, that there was actually there were we had four uh, four performances of thirty plus points in these what we qualified as grudge matches. So I really do think there's something to show out. Now, granted, in that game, Giannis didn't actually dress, so that might have played into it, but that gave him an extra platform to kind of go out there and show that he meant business.
1: <laughs> yeah, and while we're talking about Phoenix, I, I have to mention, it's going to be linked in the article that we'll post uh, later today or tomorrow, but Charles Barkley's rant, from inside the NBA on the Suns is the best thing ever. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just click the link tomorrow when you see it.
2: Um, and just enjoy it. It's it's five minutes of greatness. I gotta say I listen to Charles Barkley rant about anything. Like uh, I would love if he just had a rant podcast where you just tell him something at the beginning and just let him go like free form on it. And that'd be great. I think that I think we need to hire him for the bar burner actually. That's a good idea. So we'll log that down in and potentially bring Charles on. Not going to promise anything, but uh, who knows? We're we're blowing up this year. It's you year of the barn. I've got
1: Uh, a really good drunk Charles Barkley rant from a speech he gave at All-Star Weekend on my phone that I'm saving for a good day. (laughs) (laughs) What was the topic? Uh, Nothing really. Just about how Toronto is better than New York. Charles being Charles, huh? All right, so Slim
0: and I have weighed in on our picks. Chief... What was your grudge match
2: yeah. of the year so far? Well, I think there's a uh, – when I thought about this, I thought about give me the most conflict. Give me a lot of conflict because conflict breeds drama. And then drama, what's the basis of drama? It's, it's, it's pettiness and it's grudge holding. And there's no better place. There's no better <laughs> sports league than the NBA in terms of that. I mean, it's been compared to, to, to professional wrestling but with actual competitiveness because the guys – They all know each other really well. They hang out in the offseason. They're pretty active on social media. And it's fun to watch these guys that you can almost get to know because the rosters are small enough kind of interact with each other. And and I think a lot of, in the NBA, a lot of the backstories, and interplay between players, their current teams, their former teams, that just breeds great, great drama. So take, for example, something that the three of us thought about too is the offseason trade between the Celtics and the Cavs, uh, which the main pieces were Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving. Um, Isaiah Thomas just had like a insane, even more insane than we thought he could have, um, at his stature. And he was an all-star. He led the Celtics to the number one seed. They made it to the Eastern conference finals and then ran into LeBron and the Cavs, which of course, he seems to still be the gatekeeper in the Eastern conference to get to the finals. Um, but anyway, Isaiah had a huge year. They loved him in, in, uh, the seas loved him. Like the, the town loved him. And he was just a really like gritty player that kind of ma- weirdly matched their new identity, which is they have a lot of. Guys that hustle hard and play hard, um, and they didn't have you know, some transcendent talent at that point. Um, so it was really fun to watch. And then the offseason, they decide, the well, Cavs decide the Kyrie LeBron thing ain't working. The Celtics decide, well, we can make a move for Kyrie. And they tried it. They trade IT. It was the only piece they had. And it was one of those things that, that some people in Boston and, and some people across the nation viewed that as doing Thomas dirty. I think the NBA is a business. I think he knew that. But I mean, Isaiah Thomas has talked about it recently. Even as, as you know, making a mad, he thought it was betrayal. Uh, I imagine that would be the case when you come in and play really hard for a team and bring them to a certain level of success, and then they trade you. I can imagine that would be very frustrating. So and and play
1: after your sister dies, and then you break your hip for that franchise. I mean, there there's a lot to that, and I think it. For, you know, for his part, he handled it really well, and I think him expressing his feelings now, I think he's doing it in a in a pretty uh, awesome way. You know, I have I can't remember anything quite like it, but I've, I've been enjoying keeping up with his
2: story, the the Book of Isaiah, the Book of Isaiah. That's good. Yeah, I agree. He's been very very tactful about it, and. I did forget about the sister thing and all that. Yeah, that's intense, man. So I, I don't fault them at all. I think as a human being, that's just going to happen. Um, so yeah, with all that in mind, we made these picks. And now my pick, considering all the drama, considering I like a nice theatrical stage, now the stage is appropriately set. I, uh, I pick two not so Titans on the opposite ends of the stage. So these are two people that aren't necessarily quite the best players in the NBA. No one really talks about them a ton, but here's the chief talking about him for you. The East and West coast, the magic's, Lakers versus the jay zs Nets, or more accurately, in this case, Brooke Lopez versus D'Angelo Russell. Um this is a pick I made mostly because I think they're two players that don't get talked about a lot. I think they're ridiculous people and maybe the most opposite people that could ever exist in any way. So the idea of them competing in anything is very funny to me. Um that's that's besides the point. The backstory here is, is what makes this for me. So let me let me, let me take you guys back to 2015. The Lakers selected the Ohio State freshman phenom, Angelo Russell, with the second overall pick in the 2015 draft. He was at that point touted to be the point guard of the future. Everyone was talking about him like he was going to be the guy, and he was going to be the guy they build around going forward. And they—they're all about his. Vi- I remember talking to people about his vision, his passing. Like he, he was pretty athletic. He wasn't a great shooter, but that in the NBA is one of those things that everyone kind of pretends like isn't a thing until it is. But because they're like, oh, high upside, but. I drafted him over Porzingis, um, Devin Booker, who always comes up. He's our boy. Devin Booker's a barn burner boy. Uh, and D Moudier. Bucks. Yeah, D-Books, baby. And Moudier and Oubre. I mean, it, Russell probably is, you know, debatably better than some of those guys, but he performed a little below expectations. And then the equivalent of the uh, jealous girlfriend meme happened, where the Lakers are the, the dude looking back at Lonzo Ball, baby, with that ass walking away. They're like, man, we got to get that guy. Uh, and Russell's over in the background looking like super, super jealous because he doesn't understand what's happening. He was the guy supposed to be the guy. So they traded Russell to the nets where dreams die for Brooke Lopez and the 27th overall pick uh, and to make room to draft Lonzo, the second overall pick in 2017. So they just kind of said peace to D'Angelo and there he goes over the nets, the place where, I mean, I, I, we always joke about the the Suns, but we, um, I mean, the Nets are just as bad. Probably the sons of the East, I guess. So going to Lopez. I mean, Brooke Lopez and his brother Robin, I just love these guys, the fact that they're NBA, because they're really funny and charismatic, weird guys. That the league doesn't have a lot of personalities like that. They both went to Stanford. They're identical twins. You know Robin plays for the Bulls. He's got the huge um, afro. And, and Brooke kind of got the – I think they distinguish themselves with their hairstyle. But they're really nerdy. I saw a special on them one time. They're both huge comic book nerds. Like, they go to stores and buy the special editions and all that. Um, they, they would like they would be more comfortable just hanging out at home, watching, like, an Emmy award-winning television show than out at the club. That's just the way they are. I think that's great. I think you got to have balance. Um, frankly, I, I mean, I think he was glad to get out of Brooklyn. And for the while, he was kind of the big guy there. They were maybe trying to build around him. But, I mean, at that point, he got out of there while well, the getting was good. And I think if there's a place to which in, enjoy your near retirement, it would be Los Angeles, um, where – the weather at least nice, and I assume it'd be pretty fun. So these two guys are the old switcheroo, and, uh, and then you got Russell with the Nets, and you got Brook Lopez with the Lakers. They meet November third, twenty seventeen. Russell's first return back at Staples Center. He rides in. He's pissed off. He wants to see serve up a nice helping of revenge to his former team and say, "Hey, you guys shouldn't have traded me. Like Lonzo is a bum. I'm better." And Lopez. I'd talk about probably enjoyed a nice salad in one of his favorite cafes before, you know, driving his Kia or perhaps his Prius to the stadium uh, beforehand. You probably watched a nice episode of breaking bad, a show that he likely enjoys very much. Um, and then, you know, his, his day job is playing basketball. So it's like, oh, I'll go in and play this basketball game. So then this happens. Russell puts up 17, seven and seven, 35 minutes, 33% from the floor. And one of eight from three Lopez puts up a quiet 34, 10 and two and 30 minutes. 57% from the floor and six of nine from three Lopez wiped the floor with them who I, and I don't think Lopez even cares. I know Russell went in this game. You could tell he was trying to set up, get himself going one of eight from three wanted to get the middle finger back to La La Land and traded him. Um, but he sucked Lopez outperformed him in nearly every single statistic. Um, and I think uh, so. So I love this game because this guy comes out, try to be a revenge guy ends up being, outclassed by the guy who was traded for the guy no one even thought about. And, uh, and, and so that's my, that's my pick for uh, most revenge game, and not an honorable mention also to D'Angelo Russell outing his swaggy P's teammates, trying to get a little side to at the Lakers and, and D'Angelo Russell, uh, I like, I guess posted about it or tweeted about it. Um, and, and so swaggy P's current girlfriend found out, and then that became an ongoing NBA joke for a long time is so that he's a snitch. Um, and I guess the Lakers don't like snitches either. You guys have any any comments on on uh, on Russell and, and Lopez battle? Perhaps the battle of the titans, the battle of the ages for this NBA season.
1: I, I still think D'Angelo is still recovering from that swaggy P thing. Like, I, I don't think he's respected around the league. Um, like, a I mean, he's a pretty good player. I don't think I don't think the players care for him too much, you know. And that's a I mean. <laughs> When you do, when you make a bitch move like that, like that's kind of what you get. You're going to have to prove your worth again because what he did was pretty pretty messed up, you know, even even if what Swaggy was doing was wrong. But, um, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Brooke Lopez, good for Brooke, man, good for
2: Brooke. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think we need more people saying good for Brooke Lopez. He gets swept underneath the rug. I, I mean, let's let's get him on the all-star team this year. I mean, let, let's, let's get this guy some recommendation. Or some recognition, brother. Like this is, this is a guy that I just doesn't get enough. What you got, let's, bro? Let's use our weight at the barn burner to get
0: Brooke on the All Star team. hashtag Year of the Barn hashtag Brooke All Star Yeah
1: No man shouldn't. No, that dude plays in the Western Conference. He don't belong <laughs> nowhere except for on, on South Beach or somewhere on the beach when he is
2: chilling during All Star weekend. <laughs> You know something that's weird, uh, like uh, that uh, that Bro pointed out today. Apparently, the Heat are pre- speaking of South Beach. The Heat are playing pretty well. That's something I didn't expect. Um, what is their deal? What are they doing? Are they trying to? Are they trying to tank or, or are they trying to get in the playoffs and then lose to the Cat? I don't understand what they're what they're doing. I mean, has Whiteside been healthy this year? It seems like he's been
1: in and out of the lineup. So I guess they're just tanking because of injuries. But I mean, they're not they're not that good. I don't think they expected the East to be as good as it is. And I think they expected to be in the playoff hunt. Um, But if bro says they're outperforming, I I don't, I couldn't tell you what the heat are doing. I know James Johnson is down there and he's playing pretty well. And they got Waders Island who uh, had had his resurgence last year, they got some fun pieces. So I might have to check some heat games out.
0: Yeah. I always like watching Dragic. He's fun. I'm, I'm looking up right now to see if Whiteside, because I know he's been out a little bit, but he's a very fun player to watch.
2: Speaking of Whiteside, just, just I mean, going back to the Grizzlies, how many players have we let go that oh, end up becoming uh, players? I knew you were going to go there. That makes me cringe every time
0: yeah, I, I see a stat line where he's got 15 rebounds and 12 blocks. Oh, I hate
1: that. Yeah. Now that was the summer we signed Costa Koufos too. So he was the he was the legit third center. And, I mean, he, he was not as good as he is now. Apparently, from what I remember, he couldn't – he didn't learn the defensive concepts of the team. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he knows them in Miami or if that's just all skill and athleticism. But I, I remember just kind of the the rumors around town where that he wasn't a smart basketball player. And, uh, you know, but he always had the talent. We watched him play in, uh, I guess it was CUSA back then. Um, he's always been a good player but uh, good for him. You know, he, he got paid. He, he got paid, you know, big time. Uh, Oh, I know what I was going to say about Tyreek Evans. Now (laughs) it was, you know, we gave him the one year deal uh, presumably because of his injury history, but we go out and give Chandler Parsons this four year max deal. Like what's the difference? (laughs) I don't understand why you take the, precautionary approach on Tyreek and you throw the bank at Chandler. That, that's exactly what I was going to say, but you know, that that's Chris Wallace move. I think if it had been
0: flip-flopped, because we got Chandler and spent all that money on him the year before Tyreek. So we were pretty much out of cash at that point, right?
1: Oh yeah, we, we definitely were. And I, I know like things couldn't work out exactly like I'm saying, but you know, it's just, we could have signed Tyreek to more than a one-year deal and kept him, and he wouldn't have just been this rental piece that we have. And, I mean, I'm going to miss the guy. He's been playing his heart out for this team, and he's been getting buckets. He, he's a lot of fun to watch. I just wish you know we could keep him around and see him with a healthy roster.
0: Very true. So just a couple random questions, something that a lot of people have been talking about, especially with uh, Oklahoma City playing in Los Angeles a few days ago. What do you guys think that Paul George is going
1: to do this offseason? What's he, what's, he, what's he thinking in his mind? Uh, you know, I don't think he knows. Um, you got to play out this season with the Thunder. I, I still think the Thunder have a chance to make a run in the playoffs. Um, I don't think anyone wants to be matched up against them. Just, they play defense. They've got people who can score in crunch time. Uh, you don't want to be in a close game with the Thunder. You know, maybe their record doesn't show it right now, and maybe they haven't got everything figured out offensively, but they've got this new kid, the 19-year-old, like Fer- Terrence Ferguson or something, who came out of nowhere and <laughs> just fucking the hooping. They said he didn't go to college or anything. I don't know nothing about this guy, but he's been all over ESPN the past two days. Uh, wouldn't you guys know anything about him before I go on to my analysis about the Thunder?
2: I mean, no, I like that. I like you brought that guy up. I saw him like he was dunking. And they had, is that the guy? Like the guy that they, they kept showing on fast breaks. He's got incredible hops. I love guys like that when they come out of nowhere and, and establish themselves in one game. And everyone like hopes that they become consistently that good. The NBA is exciting when it has a lot of good players. And I feel like the Grizzlies go to, I mean, I'm, Here I am just chirping. But, but the Grizzlies never get that guy. Like that exciting guy. I mean, Dylan Brooks might be the closest thing we've had in a long time. Just kind of sad to say that. But uh, rarely do we get kind of an exciting guy that comes out of nowhere and, and you know has a twenty point game and like signs a freakish athleticism that we're like, man, this could be like an actual thing going forward. Yeah, maybe uh
1: maybe James Johnson, we got him, you know, and he he had some good good games, um, but we didn't keep him around. I don't even think we kept him that whole season. I can't remember exactly. Um, Troy Williams last year comes to mind and we cut him too. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, I think Paul George at the thunder, make a run. I think he's going to have a real tough decision on his hands because I'm not sure the Lakers are ready to compete next year, even with him. So he would have to feel confident that another big time player was coming too. So I don't think he knows just like, I don't think LeBron knows what he's going to do this off season. Um, you know there's still a lot of lot of nba basketball left to be played we're in january and it seems like we've been playing a while but we're not even at the trade deadline you know we don't know what's going to happen then so i don't know but i would like to see pg stay in okc
0: yeah i'm all for other markets comparable to memphis playing well and not all these super teams just forming and all these like major cities with rich basketball history i kind of like seeing it spread out a little bit maybe that's just the hometown guy in me i'm i'm living vicariously through these other cities that are able to kind of replicate what i would like for us to do here
2: yeah but they say though that the nba is always better when the celtics and the lakers are good and i agree with that i think i just think it gets more like national notoriety like the nba is always competing for attention within nhl you know not quite but like certainly better if the lakers and celtics are good i think the nba can advertise it more and I don't know. I mean, it's fun. I, I, I mean, it's good. The Lakers have sucked for so long. It's been very satisfying to watch them suck. Um, and it just has. It has a, a non-Lakers fan. But going back to uh, to y'all's point, to I, I don't think he. I can't imagine a situation where PG goes to the Lakers in the situation they have now, like without Slim said, without a, a knowing for sure, almost colluding with another superstar to go there. And I, but let me ask y'all this. Uh, so they got Lonzo there. They got a kind of bunch of like guys on expiring contracts with no real like um, guarantees. So LeBron says, Hey, Paul or PG. I don't know what they call him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him Paul. He goes, Hey Paul, I'm going to go. I'm going go to go He's like, I want you to come with me. I want, I want to kind of play the three, four, you know, I've posting up more. I want you to play shooting guard, defend. I think we're going to be the best defending, you know, perimeter defending team with you, with us on the perimeter. And then we'll have Lonzo facilitating. He's going to take a backseat to us because, you know, we're, we're, uh, you know, perennial all stars. And like he's watched us as he grew up. I think he'll assist us. And, um, and he'll like play that sort of like Rondo to our, you know, to our Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. Uh, and he says, What do you think? What do you think, Paul? And, and Paul says this, What do y'all think? If I'm Paul, I'm saying, Can we really beat the Warriors with
1: this team? Cause I don't think that team gets it done. Um, I, I don't think LeBron would leave for that team over the team he's got in Cleveland with with Isaiah Thomas, so, You know, as long as they re-sign him and they keep the team they have intact. I think this Cavs team is one of the best teams LeBron's been on.
0: I think it really comes down to who does he want to play with more, Russell or LeBron? If he really wants to play with LeBron, I think those guys, they'll make it happen. They'll go to L.A. together. But if he is learning to play with Russ and they're kind of finding a stride right now, it looks like, then really I don't know if there's a reason to leave a good thing to go for something that's uncertain to a place with you know an aging superstar. I get it. LeBron has been incredible, but can he do that for three more years? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. I'd like to see it. That'd be fun. But you know that Russ is going to be in the league for a long time too, and he's also putting up
2: incredible numbers. Hold up, Slim. You just said that you think that this is the best Cavs team LeBron's had so far. Let me me hear your analysis of that. Yeah, I do. I think
1: uh, IT is a beast. Uh, Him and LeBron together are going to be something that we haven't seen. Uh, Like, it's going to be a lot different than him and Kyrie together. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is a completely different ball player. And, you know, we've only seen one game of it, but. It's just different, and I think IT has that IT factor. You know, he was Mr. Fourth Quarter last year. Um, LeBron loves that. You know, he he doesn't necessarily want to score all the points. He's down to play the defense and things like that, Um, but the bench unit, this, and of course, he's got Kevin Love and J.R. Smith, and uh, Jay Crowder is a lot better than Shump, uh, Iman Shumpert, Um, so that's the starting lineup, and then he's got D-Wade, who's one of the best players to ever play the game, is kind of taking on this new role, and he's leading that bench squad. Well, hell, if you remember our last podcast, I, I mentioned that he was going to be a good six-man candidate, and it's really coming to fruition. Um, the, the backup point guard, Calderon, uh, the bench is good. they got Kyle Corver coming off the bench, Tristan Thompson off the bench. I think this is the deepest team, and I, I think we're going to see them give the Warriors hell
2: uh, come, come May and June. Yeah, I agree with the deepest team analysis. That's true. The, the bench is key here. I don't really know much about the Warriors' bench this year. I mean, I know they have Sean Livingston still. They have that kid from Oregon, Bell, um, who gets like a lot, a lot of minutes. Actually, sets up a lot of minutes for them. He just kind of runs around and, and is really athletic. Um, but I can't think of like huge pieces they, the Warriors have obtained on the bench. Y'all can maybe help me in a second. But the, the, and also, so you you said you'll see a Warrior-Cavs Finals which I agree with, but so you don't think the Rockets are going to be the Warriors? Like, you, what do you think, how do you think that series shakes out? 4-1. <laughs> 4-1 Warriors. I, I just
1: don't think the Rockets got it in them. I, I'd be more worried about Oklahoma City getting hot um, and even San Antonio than the Rockets. The Rockets, I just, I, James Harden and Chris Paul, neither one of them have ever done shit in the playoffs. They don't scare me. I don't think they're big-time players. Um, yeah, I, I'd be worried about Kawhi and the Spurs getting on track and him and LaMarcus getting on the same page. And uh, this storm that's brewing down in OKC has got a hell of a lot of thunder coming.
0: Very well put. All right. So you're asking about the Warriors bench. Right now, guys who have started the least but are playing, we got Jordan Bell, Omri Caspi, Livingston, Patrick McCaw and JaVale McGee.
2: And got Iguodala, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. I- Iggy off the bench is always a crucial component. Um, other than that, it sounds kind of like the same damn bench they've had forever. I mean, not really. I guess they had Caspi, Um, uh, Bell's good. Livingston's older. but he, he always hits those baseline jumpers at key moments in the playoffs. And, um, and then uh, Patrick McCall is that new uh, – the point guard, the backup point guard, right? Well, Where did he go to college? I don't remember him. Does anyone know? UNLV, I think. I think the Cavs bench is much better than that. Uh, I mean, if it were to come down to purely that and come down to like, which I mean, that's a huge component, of course, in the playoffs, but at the same time, sometimes in the playoffs, teams just shrink down to these like, you know, eight, nine men rotations. And uh, and then you have, when you have a, a team though, with Steph and Clay and, and Katie I, and Draymond, I just don't understand how anyone's going to beat that team ever. And until anyone even like makes a dent in their armor maybe that's what it takes it's like someone needs it like the grizzlies almost did like you know 3 years ago uh, or 2 years ago we went up 2 1 on them they kind of seemed like beatable that year and it's going to take a team doing that and thus far a team hasn't been been able to prove to do it but watching them is like kind of a next level thing that I think we as nba fans should appreciate more I mean, i'm speaking about myself like I, it's one of those things that's like magical and will be talked about 50 years from now this team and so, I mean, especially Seth playing basketball, it's crazy. It's like three games back, he's like shooting 65%, scored 90 points. And he's like, he's like 21 of 32 from three or something. Just like, yeah, outra- outrageous. Yeah,
1: he's been going ham. So, just to bring it, uh, this other thing full circle, do you think Lakers and Celtics being better would be bigger than Warriors, Cavs? Because I don't. I, I don't. You know, maybe if they had the exact same players, but I think if they had other superstars in the league, I don't think there's anything bigger bigger than LeBron James, uh, basketball wise, and maybe in professional sports. And then Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, they are right there with LeBron. I, I don't think it could, I don't think it could get any better than we've had it these last three years. Uh, this is our, you know, uh, Lakers Celtics. You know, I, the names change, but tradition lasts forever, as they say. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, that's that's a great quote. Oh, go ahead, bro. No, I think you hit it on the head. That's our our generations, uh, Lakers, Celtics is the LeBron Cavs, and you know the Steph Warriors. It's not even so much the Heat LeBron anymore. That's kind of like I feel like that happened so long ago, and that is just a thing of the past. But this has been going on. It feels like the Warriors Cavs for so long now that it's just awesome, and that's the. Every year, that's the pinnacle. That's what we have to
2: look forward to. And it's always a lot of fun. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it, it, it's, it is our equivalent. And I think that it's about the players. So, yes, the game being played is very exciting. But I think if these same players played for the, well, let's say, like the, you know, all you took, you took the Cavs roster and put it on the C's and you took the Warriors roster and put it on the Lakers, I think the NBA would create like a, an even more ridiculous storyline beyond just those players. And it's just, it would become this, this classic of basketball. I mean, we remember when Kobe, you know, was playing with the Lakers, like '09. You know, when he had Powell playing against those, uh, those Celtics teams. Like, I just remember, I didn't really care about the finals a lot, even back then. And and I remember, like, actually caring just because it was sort of a storied history. Um, and, and that was that was always cool to me. So, but but what I think it has been important about this particular, um, this particular generation of the NBA has been you got Steph and Clay and and KD and Draymond on a team. It was a transcendent roster. So that's just going to be talked about just because that roster is insane. And then you got LeBron, you know, leaves, goes to the heat, and then comes back to his hometown team. So the NBA can still generate these kind of storylines and narratives based upon those things that make it great. But I, I think I, I think it would be greater if it were Lakers-Celtics. I think it's great. I mean, like, I think it's – I'd rather have these rosters and it be Cavs, um, you know, Cavs-Warriors and have these players than I would have, like, those Lakers-Celtics battles. But – like, imagine if this Warriors roster was the Lakers. It'd be like show they they tailored at Showtime twenty, you know, twenty fifteen or twenty eighteen, and it would be like the new Showtime, and like they would sell that, and like I just think it'd be a whole big thing. But I could be wrong, but I mean that's that's, and that's true. I've always heard that, but I never really isolated why that's the case. I don't really know if it'd be any different. I know I'm enjoying it still though. So sounds like we all are, bro. You got something, dude? No, not really. I just
0: I might be selfish, but. I do not enjoy it when the Boston teams are winning. Boston, if you're if you're a Boston fan, I feel like you win something every year. Whether it's you got hockey, you got football, you know, for the next five years until Brady's arms fall off, and you know, let someone else have a piece of the pie. I'm, I don't feel bad for Boston or LA fans.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it would be any different or not. Uh, the Warriors are in the Bay Area. You know, that's a huge market. So it's not like they're some small market team. They've got the the huge waiting list for their season tickets that they've had for years, even before they were good. So I, I think they're kind of comparable. And then I think LeBron speaks for himself. He's he's not as big as a Boston, but with the way social media is today and the way LeBron works, like he, he gets any story and any story about his team that needs to be out there out. So uh, yeah, we're, we're all enjoying it. Who knows? We, we're just talking out of our ass right now. Um, before we get out of here, we got the national championship on Monday. Alabama and Georgia. Who you guys got?
2: Uh, I, I got Alabama's going to stomp baby brother Georgia into the ground. Um, you got uh, the new UT coach is the defensive coordinator for Alabama. He's he's on the sidelines right now, and and th- that was uh, absolutely ridiculous to hold Clemson to six points. I don't know if I've ever seen defense. Play like that, except for maybe Alabama, LSU, like you know, six years ago when they they scored a combined like twenty points or something. Um, they just don't beat Saban in the playoffs, except for Clemson last year, I guess. But I don't know. I, there, there's something about this Alabama team, kind of like getting in and then they're they're a weird. It's a weird. It, it almost made Alabama more dangerous by everyone talking about they shouldn't have been in. Now they're kind of playing from a, a bizarre underdog stance, which they never have. So I think it's I mean Alabama. I think Alabama's going to beat them. I think I went twenty four ten. Twenty four ten, you heard it here.
0: I think there's two things that you don't do. You don't bet against Saban, and you don't bet against a pissed-off Saban. So I would have to put my money on Alabama. Those are, 30, those are the same thing, though. No, totally different. Okay. One, so one's next benefit. level. Uh, it, at its heart, it is, but for all intents and purposes, there are multiple things. Thanks, Chief. So I'm calling 30-17,
2: Bama. I would say you don't bet against Saban. And then the number two thing I say is you don't bet against Saban. I think we should put that on a T-shirt, Barn Burner store, baby. Sorry. Go ahead, Slim. (laughs) Yeah, those things sell like 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 hotcakes.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But uh, I didn't know we were doing score predictions. I'll go go 28-17, Bama. I think Saban's too much. He's never lost to an assistant. So Kirby Smart, you're next. Maybe you'll be the first, but I fucking doubt it. Um, so that's Monday night.
2: You guys got anything else? Or are we signing off? I think it's. I mean, it's the SEC's back in the playoffs, and that all the SEC fans are reigning supreme yeah, right now. Yeah, we're signing off, baby. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, boys. Well, we had it. We had a great. Uh, we had a great second episode of the Backdoor Cut podcast. We appreciate everyone joining us. And we also really appreciate everyone checking the site out, reading us, reading our stuff um, and 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 uh, hopefully enjoying it as much as we do writing it and putting it out there. Uh, and we're happy to take any feedback. Anytime you guys want to comment, hit the contact button on the website, send us an email. We'll gladly respond. And we always love to hear feedback on what we're putting out there. So unless uh, unless you boys have anything else, this is The Chief. This is Slim. And bro signing off. Back to our Cut podcast volume two. Fire Tubby Smith, baby. do
1: exactly
0: what you like,
2: talk mm-hmm.
0: to,